Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show. If you have been in the cold weather this week that is sweeping across the country, I hope that you are staying warm and safe. And let me tell you, for this Texas girl, I am not very good with the cold. My husband is from up north, and he calls this just another day. And in fact, he'd say this is shorts weather, and he calls it saving money time because we don't have to run the air conditioner. <laughs> but I do not like the cold, but I hope that you all are safe and warm, and we appreciate your patience as we have been working to make sure all of our AFR family who usually run the shows are safe and sound in their homes. And we hope you've enjoyed some of the best of editions that we've played this week of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show. We have a lot to catch up on. We are doing 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting. If you have not followed along with that yet, all I'm asking my listeners to do is to join me in one New Year's resolution that's to intentionally invest in your parenting this year. All you have to do is is listen in to the show every week. We will be debuting a new habit for healthy parenting. So far, we have talked about the power that is in prayer. We have talked about the importance of scripture memory. And tomorrow, I will be debuting healthy habit number three. So you don't want to miss that. And all you have to do is just really do the best that you can. Give yourself grace when you fall short, and you will be amazed at how much a little effort goes a long way. And I want you to be sitting here with me in January of 2025 and saying, wow, look how far we have come. So you won't want to miss that. I'll recap where we are and we will adopt our third healthy habit for the year. The other thing that I want to tell you about is that AFR is partnering with Preborn, which is the an organization that's the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the United States. Now, I am a mom of four and have also experienced pregnancy loss. So in all of that, I have had countless ultrasounds. And I will tell you that every one of them was so incredibly special. Just to see the outline of your baby, see them sucking their thumb and waving their hand and seeing even which babies have hair on their head and see which babies are, you know, even showing their personality in the womb. Those are really, that's such a special experience for a mom and her baby. Now, since 2007, Preborn has partnered with pregnancy clinics all across the nation, and they provide mothers who choose life with maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, much more, all of these services free of charge up to two years of assistance, which is just so beautiful. We'll be talking about this again a lot more in detail, but what we're asking is for you to contribute to AFR's goal of helping 4,500 babies. So your gift of $28 provides one woman a free ultrasound and gives the mom the opportunity to choose life for her baby. So you can call 888 877-616-2396. 
That's 877-616-2396 to donate or go to AFR.net. Now, I want to get down uh, to business here and let me introduce my guest to you today. Those of you who have been listening along know that this subject we are going to discuss today is near and dear to my heart as a mom, as a nurse practitioner, as a professor, and it is the month of January. We will be talking about human trafficking. Now, we've talked about this a lot before, but listen, I think there is so much misinformation about human trafficking and what we do as parents is we are susceptible to that misinformation because we are going to pick and choose what makes us feel safe with our families and we're going to choose to adopt those scenarios and the information that we hear that gives us some sense of control feeling like I can keep my family safe so we've talked about it before but there's just still so much to explore and today we have just a courageous warrior in this movement. Today, our guest is Steve Tiber. Now, he's the founder of Eight Days of Hope. He spent 19 years in Tupelo, Mississippi, but they are now in Buffalo, New York. And yes, we all watched Buffalo on the news and the football stadium and the the Bills fans volunteering to shovel snow out of that stadium. I can't this Again, this Texas girl can't imagine it. But Steve spent over 35 years in the building material industry. He served as vice president and business manager with Provia. Ultimately, he left that world in January of 2017 to become the president and CEO for Eight Days of Hope and to start a new chapter dedicated to serving God and those in needs. The desire to love others runs in the family. Steve serves alongside two of his children and his wife at Eight Days of Hope. Hannah serves as Eight Days of Hope Safe House Ministry Director, and Charmaine and Elise serve as volunteer leaders. Now, Steve volunteers with a lot of other ministries, and he actually has a passion for Christian contemporary music. Me too. And stay tuned because that may or may not be featured on one of our shows talking about the power of music and choosing music. But he started this whole journey after Hurricane Katrina, and we are going to hear his story talk about what is trafficking, what do parents need to know, and what Aid Days of Hope is doing to help in this situation. So as we begin our conversation, I want to tell you, yes, we talk about tough subjects here, but we will we will tread lightly. We will be gentle with your heart and your spirit, and we will be cognizant of the ways that we talk about that. So don't turn off the radio and think, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can hear this. Just give us a chance, and you never know what may come out of this conversation. So Steve, welcome to the program. We're so delighted to have you as a guest today. Well, thank you so much. Sitting in my living room and looking outside my window in five feet of snow, it's been a surreal week here in Buffalo, New York, but uh, so thankful uh, to be on your show today and to spread some more um, wisdom with those who might not know a lot about what's going on with trafficking and what God has called his saints to do about it. So thank you for having me. 
Well, five feet of snow, you said, but this started with five plus feet of water. I don't know. I feel like God has a theme in your life here, Steve. We've got floods <laughs> that are that are coming to move you to different places. But I would really like to hear the story of how this started in Hurricane Katrina. Obviously, for me, living in Houston, that was the, our neighbor city that endured that. I was here when that happened. How did this happen? You were an executive and you just had a dramatic left turn in your life. What happened? You know, it, it was really, truly just a move of God. I tell people all the time, I'm not that smart, but he's got it all figured out. And and we just follow his lead. But my dad and I, uh, back in 2005, thought it'd be the right thing to do to maybe take four, five, six friends to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and help one family, just one. That was our goal. Finding, you know, a widow, an elderly couple, maybe a single mom who needs some help. Let's find somebody, you know, maybe put a new roof on, put some new windows in, and just give them a chance to see some joy and hope that we know in knowing Jesus. Well, that was my plan, but I've learned very quickly that I can have all the plans I want, but I am not in charge and I'm not in control. We end up taking, it was our smallest trip ever, but we still took 684 people with us, and we rebuilt 84 homes in eight days. The number eight, the Bible means new beginnings. And that was our first trip. We became a nonprofit ministry on the spring of 2006. And now our largest trip ever was to your city, Houston. We took 4,692 people on a mission trip. We fed them and lodged them. And in eight days, we built 808 homes in Houston after Harvey. But we've now, we're almost at 10,000 homes. So uh, probably in the next uh, three, four months, We'll cross that line. We've helped out 10,000 families rebuild their homes. We've responded to disasters from Maui with the fires to, you know, every hurricane that you can mention since 05, Ian, Ida, Delta, Laura. Um, I can go on in Idalia, um, Harvey. Um, we have Michael. We have gone from coast to coast, and we're just a conduit. We want to give people an opportunity to serve. It's free when you serve with us. We provide food and lodging. We have about $7 million of tools and equipment that we deploy. Um, we're going to feed you really good. You're going to have a great time. We love Christian music. So um, like on a trip that we're about to announce, we are messengers, Ben Fuller, Jonathan Trailer, are all going to be a part of the outreach. And so we, we just want to give saints a chance to use their gifts. When God created us, all of us were gifted differently. How do we be a conduit for the church to find a way to love and serve the brokenhearted? That's who we are. $80 million of work later, four arms of the ministry. I'm telling you, this is all about Jesus. Oh, that is so encouraging to hear. And you know, part of our, as I talked about earlier, our 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting, that second one is scripture memory. And the the verse that I memorized last mm -hmm. week, Steve, was Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans Amen. will be established. Amen. And I Amen. mean, wow, has that happened here yeah. with you? I would like to know, how did this journey change you as a dad? You know, we talked about sure. you working alongside sure. your family. How did that impact your personal faith and your ministry as a dad? You know, my wife and I, we've been married 39 years. We have five beautiful kids. All of them are adopted. Um, three uh, here in the States um, about nine years ago. 
we traveled to Taiwan and adopted two girls, and in part that was part of, you know, of, of trying to find a way to come alongside, um, you know, children just looking for a home to, to you know, to to be safe and to feel comfortable to grow in their walk with Jesus and and, and them as people. And so, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. My, my kids, all five of them, have been on multiple trips. They've been to Hurricane Harvey, Michael. They've seen people who've lost everything and loved ones. They've prayed with them. They've seen God move. They've seen God, you know, provide, you know, through donations and resources, things that we would never would never even think to to ask for. And, and they've seen God connect dots. God, God wants to connect that. He wanted to connect you and I today, and I'm thankful for that. He's connecting you and I with your listeners today. I'm thankful for that. But, you know, there's businesses out there that make furniture and that own roofing companies, and they make food, and they're all looking for a way to give back. And my kids have experienced the goodness of God, that he is Jehovah Jireh, he always provides. You know, we've done $80 million of work. Um, five years ago, seven years ago, when I left the corporate world, we had twenty thousand dollars worth of tools. And since then, um, you know, we had eight volunteer leaders. We now have almost three hundred volunteer leaders. Um, you know, they have seen God move time and time again, and they live with me. They know that I'm not the smartest guy on the block, but they know I love Jesus, and they know that they will be given many opportunities in 2024 to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're a family-friendly ministry that will never change. I think it's so important for our kids to hear about the gospel, to see the gospel in action. I always say the best sermon I ever heard is the one I saw. My kids have gotten to see Jesus um, move time and time again. I think that is really important for us as parents because, you know, you're working in times of disaster where it's easy to see all of the negative things, all of the scary things, all of the terrifying things, honestly. And my kids have that same experience. My four kids, you know, they see my primary work in nursing is in trafficking, and it would be easy, I think, for them to see that the world is a dark and scary place and to be afraid. But they don't. We have this opportunity to really show hope in the world. And I'm thinking about, you know, even when you rolled up here in Houston for Harvey, which by the way, thank you so much, because I am just told by my producer, you worked with the 4B disaster relief area, which is that's my that's my hometown. That's where I live. So you were here. And and when, when you're experiencing that, you know, and you see those trucks start rolling in and you see people who don't even know you who get out of the truck with a hammer or a bottle of water or whatever it is, that is where God is moving, and that is what I want our kids to see. Amen. Amen. You know, what's interesting about 4B in Houston, again, talks about God connecting dots. Um, there's a church up in Buffalo that I know very well, and I wasn't living in Buffalo at the time. Um, you know, I was still down in um, Mississippi, and they called me and they said, hey, are you in Houston? I said, we are. We're at Grace Church. We've been here for six weeks, and, and we're going to keep going until we're not needed anymore in the southeastern part of Houston. And they said, hey, there's a couple, there's like 30 churches that are trying to form a coalition. Would you go over there for a couple of days and kind of help them, kind of launch, just give them ideas? And so literally that first meeting, um, there was 30-some churches, maybe even more, we sat in on there and, and of course, shared anything that we knew or we had learned over the years. And so, yeah, we love our friends at 4B. And again, that's just another way of God connecting the dots. But God, I mean, those are my favorite stories in the history of ever. And what a wonderful connection. And thank you, Steve, for what you did for my neighbors, for my own sister whose home was flooded. So many things. But when we come back, we are going to talk specifically about human trafficking, what it is and how you can keep your kids safe. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to my conversation with Steve Tiber. He is the founder of Eight Days of Hope. And if you missed the first segment, we were just talking about his journey of leaving the corporate world and starting this nonprofit organization and responding to disasters, including Katrina was the first one, and then Hurricane Harvey, where we got 51 inches of rain in about two days. And I've just discovered, along with all of you, that Steve actually worked in my neighborhood, which is pretty amazing to see all of those things. But God, but God moves in the hearts of his people. And if there's anything that I've learned in working in an industry that can seem so dark, that can seem so hopeless, is that God pursues his people and God moves the hearts of people all over the world to action. And that is a place where we can find hope. Well, Steve, we are going to talk now about human trafficking and what it is and what it is not. And so I'm just going to give you the floor and you give a us an overview of what parents should know. I know you and I had a conversation earlier about the misconceptions that parents can have, but there are some facts that they really need to know. Sure. Thank you. So Jessica, a lot of us have seen movies like Taken, um, where someone is abducted and uh, they're sold into slavery. Does that happen? Yes. Is that common? No. In America, one of my misconceptions when I start learning more about trafficking, praying about how eight days hope can be a part of the solution, I always assumed that taken was more the way things happen, that someone just comes and whisk your kid and, and, and takes them away. And, and, and I was thinking probably mainly illegal immigrants, you know, bringing that cross the border illegal. I mean, I just didn't know what to think. And both of those are false. You know, 83% of those trafficked in America are American citizens. They're our grandchildren, our daughters, our nephews, nieces, people that live in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our in our regions, in our states. Um, they're, they're amongst us. And um, then secondly, uh, just understanding that um, you know, trafficking with social media and the smartphone really has, has helped this, unfortunately, become the fastest growing crime in the world you know, social media and all these different apps. You know, we have a, a wonderful document at 8daysofhope.com. Click under what we do and click on the safe house picture. And on there, there's actually a document you can download. We'll actually mail them to you. We list roughly 40 different apps that traffickers are actively using to try to groom and lure your, you know, your loved ones um, and, and to start the trickery. And so, you know, it's not uncommon for a 16-year-old girl who thinks she's talking to an 18-year-old boy in the next town over, um, you know, to be duped and, and develop a three-, four-, five-month relationship only to find out down the road, you know, it was a 40-year-old man that lived 400 miles away that was, was planning uh, to do harm. And so, uh, in our document, we actually show you the apps. Now, not every single app on our document is an evil app, right? Now, there are some obvious apps like OnlyFans and Tinder and Bumble and things like that that you should know as parents or grandparents that if your children have these apps, um, that is not a good app to have. There's other apps like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, that Those three apps can be used to do some good things. 
But we need to be involved in our kids' lives. We need to know what apps they're using, how they're using them. We need to know how they're using uh, the Internet, because right now the Internet and social media circles have really opened up the door for traffickers to find the child who's just wondering. And maybe things aren't going right at home. Maybe they're struggling at school. Maybe they're being bullied. Maybe, uh, you know, they've fallen into the usage of, of some drugs. And, and, you know, those are some of the risk factors. Um, you know, some foster kids, some runaways, those things happen, uh, unfortunately. We actually list the top five risk uh, factors for sex trafficking, um, children involved in substance abuse, runaway homeless youth, unstable housing. You know, your family just went through a tough divorce or um, maybe some of you lost a loved one and there's there's something not stable in your house. You need to be aware that children will be looking for something that looks to them like to be something stable and something um, better than what they think they have now. You know, mental health concerns and, of, of course, the recent migration, relocation, um, you know, moving from one market to another market or coming into America and setting up America as your home. Those are some of the things we've seen. But this is the fastest growing crime in the world. And I hate to say this, but 17 percent of children who are trafficked are trafficked by a family member. You know, I don't know about you. I, I Now, my kids are, are, are all grown, but, but when we lived in Tupelo and we didn't know a lot of people and we had moved there from New York, um, we just, there are some things we could not do because we didn't feel comfortable leaving our kids with somebody that we truly didn't know. And and so, uh, unfortunately, that, that is a number that is shared uh, quite often. That's heartbreaking to hear as well. So there's a lot of information on there. We have this brochure. We will, you know, youth pastors, if you're listening today or you go to a church, tell your youth pastor to look up this brochure. We'll mail you brochures. There's a lot of good information about trafficking and what we as parents and grandparents can do to protect our kids. Well, there are a lot of important pieces of information that you just gave there, Steve, and I'd like to break some of those down and say that, you know, if you're out there listening and you're thinking, I really don't know what this is, Steve and I are both saying we were there. I remember thinking those same things that you thought, Steve, that that trafficking was like the movie Taken or that it just happened at the border or in other countries. And I've shared before that there is an anti-trafficking organization here in Houston called Unbound Now that asked me to write continuing education for for healthcare providers. And I said, no, I don't know anything about trafficking. But when I realized, oh, it's happening right here in my community, in my healthcare environments, in my practice, I realized that I couldn't ask, okay, how can I help? What the Lord was compelling me to ask was, how can you not help? now knowing what you know and i just had to repent and i did the same thing as you my professional life took a dramatic left turn and here we are and so i think let me break down some of those things that you said because i think these are really important you talked about trafficking basically moving from the street to the smartphone and i think that's a common misconception that parents have they are more scared of a stranger on the street than the potentially thousands of strangers that kids invite into their bedroom every night Mm -hmm. through social media. That is how this happens. I have worked personally with kids who have been trafficked, and this is exactly how it happens. And they know, the trafficker knows that they can make so much money off of one person, and they seek out those vulnerabilities exactly like you were just saying. Do you have, and they're going to be that need, you know, do you need love? Do you need a family? Do you need shelter? Do you need, you know, a a career? Do you need social status? And they're going to seek that need and they will 
do it. They are patient to do it over a period of weeks or months or even years because it is much easier to do that than to snatch somebody off the street and that's going to have law enforcement. So I think that's really important for us as parents to set our mindsets because usually, Steve, this is what happens to me in, in here in Houston. Some parent will get on social media and they'll say something like, I don't usually post this, but... I was almost abducted by a trafficker at the grocery store tonight. And then they tell a scary story, which I'm sure is happening. And I don't want to take away from the, the fear of that experience. But that's that's not usually how it happens. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about these apps, because what traffickers do is they want apps where they can have anonymous, they can be an anonymous user. So that can be a red flag. If you meet somebody on Instagram or another mainstream social media app, and they're asking you to move that is a red flag. What what else can you add about social media and smartphone safety for parents? You know, I mean, every parent's got to make their own decision. One of the decisions my wife and I had in play is that, you know, when, when our children went to bed, the phone stayed downstairs. You know, they don't need to be on the phones at 10 or 2 in the morning. Um, secondly, uh, until they were adults, until they were 18, you know, I use that line, hey, I'm paying for your phone. I'm here to protect you. You've, you've traveled the country. You know why we're doing what we're doing. This is real. And so for us even to be in the know of, of their friends, and, and and it can't be, well, it's a friend of my friend who goes to a school, three school districts over. <laughs> yeah, we've never met, but he's a really nice guy. And you're like, wait, time out. Um, no, that's we're not going to open up that door. Uh, we're just not. And, and, and as long as they understand you're doing it out of love. And here's the problem. It really starts with a relationship. Now, I can't tell mm-hmm. you that I'm the perfect dad. I am not. But my kids know I love them. And they know that I would never do anything on purpose to hurt or harm them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell them, I love you so much. I treasure, I, I'm just so thankful that God entrusted me to be your dad, that I'm going to do all I can to protect you until you're old enough and wise enough to make some of those same, you know, some of those same decisions. So it's about a relationship, but also setting boundaries. You know, it, it's it's making sure, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, once a week, you know, without them knowing, hey, I'd love to see your phone and what apps you're using. If you have a 15-year-old child that's going up to the room at 9 at night with their phone and you check their phone usage and they're sending messages at 3 in the morning, nothing good. You know, my dad and mom used to tell me nothing good happens after a certain time. Well, nothing good happens at 3 in the morning on your phone when your child's in in, in their room. So, um, you know, be aware of that. And let me follow up, too. I think this is really important. When I start learning about trafficking, and I, I realized it wasn't just a third world country issue. It wasn't just, you know, Asian orphan girls being trafficked or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kids in South America being groomed or adults being, you know, groomed. I, you know, it wasn't just the New Orleans and New York City and Las Vegas issue, because that's where I thought, well, that's where a lot of bad sometimes happens. And mm-hmm. people go to Vegas and, you know, you know, think, you, you just don't know. And, and But then I realized, wait a minute, this is happening in South Haven, Mississippi. This is happening in Ottawa, Kansas. This is happening in Wichita, or excuse me, Erie, Pennsylvania. It's happening everywhere. We don't see it, or we, we look the other way. And let me bring this up. Um, and I'm going to be real careful here because I know there's probably someone driving down, down the road with someone in their cars. But, you know, in Texas, um, some of these massage parlors, mm-hmm. um, you, know, I, I, you know, I used to be a, a marathon runner and i enjoyed getting a therapeutic massage to keep my muscles uh, in shape when i used to try to compete but it's happening right in our in our in in our neighborhoods and we all think we know what's going on in there but we kind of ignore it 
I think God's calling his people saying enough is enough. Um, no one should be forced to do something they don't want to do against their will to, to, to gain monies for somebody else. And to your point, you sell a drug, it's used, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. If you uh, traffic a person, that you can do that sale, unfortunately, time and time again. So I know I covered a lot there, and I jumped around on you a little bit, but just wanted to get that information out. It is. And it's like I said, at the top of the show, there is so much to talk about and so much for parents to learn. And and we're going to be continuing to learn over the course, really, of the next year, I will be bringing up this topic again. But you brought up a lot of other important things. And I think, Steve, that the big takeaway for parents is that we can't protect our kids from everything. But all of these boundaries that you're talking about, these safety rails, put up in the context of relationship they help. It's layered protection that helps and buys us time. It buys you time and it gives you relationships so that you can recognize any signs of concern and talk early. Because one of the stereotypes that I would like to contribute is that people think that this only happens to families in disadvantaged neighborhoods or, mm. you know, those kinds of things. But I see families who are right. very supportive, families who would be considered affluent, whose kids are vulnerable, because every kid can be vulnerable in some way. And traffickers are looking for that. They are out there looking for that. And they are looking on social media. So some of I I agree, we did the same thing. We were very, very sleepovers were a rare occurrence, just because I agree, nothing good happens after midnight. We uh, also were very strict on phone limits. And what I say, Steve, is I pay, I say, that's my saying, I pay, I say. So we would have if people would come over to our house, if kids would come over, especially when they were younger, we would require all of the kids to check in their phones at a check-in station. Like they would have to leave them there. And the first time that I said this, they looked at me like I had two heads, you know, they're like, really? Wait, what? And I let them access their phone, text their parents or whatever they needed to do. But it was not in my kid's bedroom in their most sacred space. And it leveled the playing field because there's so much, you know, some kids have it, some kids don't, some kids, you know, have this uh, particular social media app or they can FaceTime people and some can't. So it does that. Other things that I think that are really important for safety are delaying social media use as long as you can. But parents, Thank listen, you. If yes, it should be not even a conversation until at least 13 because kids are not developmentally capable to handle the pressures right. that come with social media. They don't have the they don't have the character to handle that overexposure. But parents, if they do have social media, make their profile private and make yes. their profile picture something just generic. Those two things will go miles and Very miles important. in protecting your kids. Yeah. But hey, and, one, one, and one other thing that is important is your location. You know, one of the things the rules I put in place, if my daughters were going to the mall with their friends because they were going to go to a movie and do a little shopping, you know, I encourage them, this is not where you put a picture of you and your friends and Snapchat, you know, here at the Walden Gallery Mall having a blast. You don't need to tell everybody in the world where you're at. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I, you know, I've told my kids, it's like this when they're 15. Um, you're driving down a road. I'm going to have a very tight guardrail on that single lane highway, and I'm going to set up boundaries that are going to help you um, to grow into the person that God wants you to grow into and to make sound decisions as your mind matures. And as you get older, that highway gets a little bit wider. I still have guardrails up, but now there's a couple lanes you can go back and forth and make some of these decisions. So, again, parents, let's not be afraid to be parents. 
sometimes we want to be their friends. Um, God didn't call us to be their friends. I get it. I want my kids to think I'm cool. I want my kids to love hanging out with their dad. And, and if I say, hey, it's a daddy-daughter date, or hey, kids, we're going to go out and do something fun, I want them to say, yeah, I want to do that. But our job is the parent, just raise them up um, to, um, to, to live the life that God's called them to live. So uh, a lot of good stuff you just shared as well. Amen, amen, and amen. I don't, you're not a pastor, but preach it. <laughs> I, I agree with all the things. Well, when we come back, I do want to talk about the flip side of that and talk about families who don't have parents who are protecting their kids and how that impacts all of us. And we also want to hear about all of the amazing things that Eight Days of Hope is doing to make a difference in the world. So don't miss it. The hope is coming and you want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to this conversation we are having with Steve Tiber, the founder of Eight Days of Hope. He is coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and five feet of snow. That's how important this message is for him to share with you. And before the break, we were talking about what human trafficking is and what it is not, and how parents can protect their kids, how important it is for us to be parents. That Steve said, and I couldn't agree more, Steve, that we can't be their friends when they're teenagers. There's a time in life for that where we will be their friends, but right now what they need is a coach, and a coach is going to make sure the practice environment is safe. They're going to push them when they need to be pushed, and they're going to pull them back when they need to be pulled back. They're going to set up the practice guidelines and all of those things to make sure that it is safe, and that is what we need to do. Now, Steve, we were talking, and you mentioned in the second segment that uh, uh, the flip side of this, like we've got parents who this is their deep deepest fear, you know, is that their kid would be involved in human trafficking. And then we have parents and other family members who actually put their kids in this situation. Now, you gave a statistic up to 17% of trafficking is what we would call familial or through generating through a child or a person's family. Honestly, Steve, I have to share with you, I've seen numbers up to 31% after COVID, because we saw economic pressures, and other kinds of pressures that happened that sometimes it's just nefarious, sometimes it's out of desperation. But I want to share in a careful way a, a story of a, a child that I, a family that I worked with in Oklahoma. Now, this was in a school district, and this particular girl was trafficked starting at the age of 11. She was going to a schoolmate's house with her mother and playing there, but the parents of this one girl did not know that this other mother was trafficking her daughter right out of their own home and so didn't know because it's so easy to manipulate children into secrecy and to normalize behaviors and so those are some of the kinds of things that then really make us afraid and that's why we have to talk about this issue and in all of this you know your organization is called eight days of hope where when we're talking about these horrible things and and you and I have seen a lot I know you've worked with organizations like Elijah Rising that you know, we'll pull people out of a trafficking situation. Where do you still find hope, Steve? 
you know, where I still find hope is I know that God still sits on his throne and he hasn't changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, and even though some of these women and children who are being trafficked m- might ask themselves, if there was a God, why would he allow this to happen? And yet we see time and time again now that God is, is, is equipping the saints to be a difference maker. Um, it, it's, you know, to me, the hope is, as we learn more what's driving this behavior, unfortunately, and we won't dig deep, but pornography is really um, taking uh, is the lives of, of so many uh, children, teenagers who have access to websites that their parents or grandparents aren't aware they're visiting, and it starts that young. But, but here's the good news. The good news, again, is not only God sits on his throne, but there's some amazing organizations out there that are making a difference. You know, we've we've helped 13 different ministries across America, and we have built facilities for free so they can provide uh, emotional, physical, and spiritual healing to those who've been rescued or who are placed in their home for, uh, for protection um, if, if they're children. And so, yes, we partnered with Elijah Rising in Houston, the Refuge in Austin, we worked with Tim Tebow in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Frank Reich, who coached in the NFL for many years, played in the NFL, him and his wife Linda in Indianapolis. But we've worked in New York, South Dakota, Mississippi. Right now we're building a campus, literally a, a, a campus on 30 acres of land in Ohio. There will be 11 buildings. It will open June 1st. It will be the largest campus in the country when it's fully done to provide uh, hope to girls between the ages of 14 and 18, and they'll go and they'll get emotional support. There'll be counselors that will live on campus. Uh, Each girl will have her own bedroom and bathroom. There'll be a meeting area. They'll learn to cook together. Um, Four children per cottage with a house mom, but there's a school there. They're going to get their schooling done. They're going to get medical care on site, all for free, all in the name of Jesus. Now, we know that those who are trafficked, as I mentioned a minute ago, might not feel like, well, you know, don't I don't want to hear anything about this Jesus guy because um, the last three years has been crazy, and, and right now I can't receive that kind of information. But I really believe when you love the brokenhearted, and you don't have to say a word about the gospel, you don't have to quote scripture, but you just love them right where they're at and help them in the healing process, give them the emotional help, the physical help, the spiritual help. I mean, there's going to be an equine facility, there's going to be an arts uh, arts uh, building where they can work out and, and use their music or artistic talents. Um, there's going to be a chapel on campus, a walking trail, a lake. I mean, it's just a beautiful piece of property. And I really believe that many of these girls who are trafficked will, will, will meet Jesus on that campus, not because of me, not because of eight days old, because I believe that's where our God is. He's, he's got his arms wide open. They just need to see a glimpse of joy, a glimpse of hope, a glimpse of Jesus, and I believe uh, the best will be yet to come for them. Well, that is amazing to hear, and that is really hopeful. And you know what? Honestly, Steve, if I'm if I'm really honest, my hope is that one day a facility like that would no longer be needed, that we Amen. wouldn't have kids who are trafficked Amen. who need recovery, Amen. but that we would wake up as a nation yeah. and that we would respond. Yeah. And we, you know, we cannot talk about trafficking. I'm going to go back for just a second and without talking about the demand, what is driving for the demand 
And you Mm. did talk about the impact of pornography on our youth, the normalization. We have had a show on that before. We have another show upcoming where I'll be talking more in depth about that. But we also need to be talking about demand among our young men, but also among other people because abusers are not just men. I mean, we just have to say that and put that out there. Uh, But eventually, I, I think it would be so amazing to see this movement get to a place where we don't need that anymore. Amen. Amen. It'd be great. And, and, we, and we've, we've prayed for that when we, when we hand over the keys of the campus to the ministry. Um, you know, that's why I brought up the pornography in the beginning and, you know, some of these strip clubs and the massage clubs and the other things that just go on. And we've kind of gotten used that it's always been there or, know, you know, we drive by into church and we, and we kind of know what's happening. We don't sing in the car because you don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but we just go around doing business and, and doing life and, and, and doing whatever we do. I think, you know, this is, a, this is a tough topic for the Church to talk about. I don't think your pastor or my pastor preparing a message today on um, what's driving trafficking for Sunday morning. That's an uncomfortable—I get it. But, but, but God is calling His saints to take the, our blinders off and realize we have a problem. How can we prevent the problem from starting? And for those who have been trafficked, how can we give them some hope um, for their brokenhearted? broken hearts. And so I think that's what God's calling the church, um, to love and serve those in need. And as we're doing it, as I said earlier, the greatest summer I've ever heard is the one I saw. They're going to see Jesus, and their lives will be transformed forever. I agree. And I think an important place to start is just us as everyday parents being informed and knowing what it looks like that it's happening in our communities. You talked about massage parlors. You know, I think it was real. It's really interesting, a very interesting contrast to think about you working with NFL players like Tim Tebow. And then we've got the opposite of that, where it was so uh, amazing to watch the public narrative that happened after Robert Kraft visited uh, a massage parlor was charged. And you see this kind of diametric public narrative saying like, oh, that's so great. Tim Tebow's doing this amazing stuff. Now leave Robert Kraft alone. Whatever he does with his money and between consenting adults is, is their business. And we cannot have it both ways as a society. And so we have to, and that's why I think we want to adopt this narrative that, oh, it's happening in other countries and, oh, it's happening to, you know, immigrants and, you know, uh, just other... You know, in poor neighborhoods. We don't want to face the fact that it's happening here because that's uncomfortable. But I think we must. We must do that, Steve. Amen. Amen. Those are tough conversations. And again, um, life, you know, I've been married 39 years. Sometimes my wife and I have had some tough conversations, and this is part of the journey. Sometimes we have tough conversations with our kids, but we can't ignore that this is real. It's happening. If you're listening today and, and you live in Alabama or you live in South Carolina, it's happening where you live. And that's what we just have to understand. Now, what can we do about it? First of all, it's about educating ourselves and our loved ones. Secondly, become a prayer warrior. I mean, prayer works. We always tell people, pray for eight days of hope. Volunteer with us uh, or donate, but we all can pray. Pray, pray, pray. And so, you know, pray for the local elected leaders. Thank you. Pray for, you know, the Elijah Risings of the World and, and the Refuge and, and Not Today in Indianapolis and PATH, People Against Trafficking Humans in Buffalo, all across the country, Call to Freedom in South Dakota. Pray for these men and women who are coming alongside those who've been rescued 
to to bring them the healing that that they need and, and that they deserve. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be a long journey. There, there's no quick fix here, but just having this conversation takes us a step in the right direction. I believe that it does. And so I think getting that evidence-based education is really good. Now, tell us again, Steve, where we can find your website and what kind of resources yeah. 8 Days of Hope op- offers for parents. Yeah, sure. So two things. Go to 8daysofhope.com, spell the number 8, 8daysofhope.com. And if you click on our safe house, if you click on what we do, then you just click on safe house ministry. And on the bottom of the page, you see a red box that says Human Trafficking Statistics and Online Safety. Just click that. You can download that, or you can make it really easy. You can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at 8dayshope.com, and say, hey, I just heard Steve and Jessica on, on the radio, and I want 10 of those pamphlets because I, I want our youth pastors to share with the parents. We, we, I mean, we can go get 10,000 printed tomorrow if we need it. But parents, grandparents, church leaders, ministry leaders, youth leaders, we need to educate ourselves what is real and what is fiction. It's real. It's happening in your area where you live, and now God's calling you to be a difference maker. So 8daysofhope.com. And one last thing, if you're skilled with your hands, you're a handyman, handywoman, you own a, a roofing company, a painting company, and you've been always looking for a way to give back, uh, we take skilled volunteers, like right now in Ohio, we'll be there for four more months building this $7.5 million campus for free, and we need people to work there that know drywall and, and painting and, and, and finishing work. And if you're able to, just email us at safehouse at 8daysofhope.com. There is a background check, but once you pass that background check, you just have to show up. We'll feed you. We'll lodge you. You're going to have a great time, and you're going to see one of the most beautiful places I've been in, in America. It's called Safe Harbor. So again, 8daysofhope.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. And I want to go back to what you were talking about, this incorporation of Christian music. I heard you mention, I think, We Are Messengers and Ben Fuller. Tell me about that. You know, they, they, they're starting on another tour. We, we supported them on their last tour. So Darren Mulligan, dear friend from Ireland, um, he, you know, he's the lead singer. He is We Are Messengers. They're starting a tour next month. And every city they go into, Darren and I produced a video about trafficking and how uh, people can get involved to, to be a difference maker. Um, ben Fuller is a dear friend of mine. Uh, wherever he goes, he talks about our disaster arm and our feeding arm and this arm. And so, um, you know, they're, they're launching a tour with Jonathan Trailer, uh, a, a Texas guy from, I believe it's Dallas. And, and they're going to be going on tour, I think, to 29 cities starting in March. So if you go see them in concert, you'll see some videos about Eight Days of Hope in this arm. And then uh, to, um, next Wednesday on American Family Radio, we're announcing our 20th rebuild trip. And on that trip, they will actually come where all of our volunteers will be at, helping families rebuild after disaster. And they're going to put on a free concert for our volunteers. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Love those guys. And uh, they love Eight Days of Hope, and they love that that they can be a part of something by using their gifts as well. I love that integration. And Steve, I'm going to break my rules here, and I'm going to preview one of my healthy habits that's coming up for uh, for (laughs) healthy parenting. But you have just inspired me, and that is listening to Christian music. It's not about the evils of secular music, but if you have those messages playing over and over and over in your heart, and we'll talk about the science of earworms and, you know, how that happens. But here, this is kind of a fun story. So 
Uh, Right now, I'm a professor, and I help doctoral students. And one of my doctoral students wanted to do a project about trafficking after she took my policy class, because, of course, I talk about this a lot. Well, the fun thing is, is I just found out that her husband is a worship pastor who collaborated with Natalie Runyon, who's the author of Raised to Stay and has been on the show, to write a song in 2016 for an anti-trafficking organization. Like, how crazy is that? That It is is wonderful. But that's where you've got to, you know, we've got to find yeah, hope. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, there's tw- there's 26 Christian music festivals across the country, and we have videos playing it all. Um, you know, we've done some things, with, you know, the Small Bones for King and Country in the past. Ryan Stevenson in Houston came to, to sing to our volunteers that were serving after Harvey, a love and the outcome. Uh, but so many artists um, just love that, you know, they, they get to use their gifts. And so again, next Wednesday, the 24th, go to 8dayshope.com. We have a family-friendly mission trip, March 9th to March 16th, which is spring break for a lot of people down south. You can bring your kids on a mission trip. And part of that mission trip, you're going to hang out with Darren, Ben, and Jonathan as well. So it's going to be a lot of, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, grab your show, your snow shovel or your hammer or whatever, and or your boombox, and just join 8 Days of Hope. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.